When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 19 of the Back Check. Brendan and Stefan here. We got a very special guest in the New York Islanders radio play-by-play man, Chris King. I'm sure you're all very familiar with his voice, especially the Islanders fans. So we'll get to him in one second. Before we bring him on, I just wanted to say, first, Stefan, how you doing? But we are now a part of the Hockey Writers YouTube channel. Everyone go there, like, and subscribe. This video and our show videos for every live episode from here on out will be found there as well. So go check them out, doing great things over there. Stefan, I'll let you kick things off and welcome our guest. Yeah, so joining the show now is Chris King, Islanders radio broadcaster. And Chris, first off, going back to your call on Saturday of Matt Barzal's In Between the Legs goal, it got well-deserved praise. Awesome call, man. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, it's funny. A lot of people have, you know, been nice and had the compliments to me about that. But I just say, you know, without Matt, that doesn't happen. So to me, that's all Matt. And uh, it's kind of just happening in my lap. Uh, it, it just so happens, again, we're kind of down that end of the ice where we broadcast from now. So uh, the Islanders actually hadn't scored a lot of second period goals at home this year. So they gave us a bunch in that game. And the leadoff one uh, by Matt is still something that uh, – I think, you know, easily the goal of the year of this season in the NHL. I don't know how anyone's going to possibly top it. There's just so many little elements that go into it uh, that made it what it was. But but that's all Matt Barzell, and, and he might be the only human being on the planet who could have pulled off something like that. So we've seen Barzell do incredible things while he's been a part of the Islanders and in the NHL. You're seeing him come up the rink to go against Ristolainen. You see him get around him. Well, I know you're you're think you have to think and talk pretty much at the same time. But what is going through your head? Are you are you planning on this? Might be he might score an incredible goal here. I got to make this a great call. Well, you, you know you don't think I got to make this a great call, but you realize, Stefan, definitely when Matt Barzell has the puck, that anything like that can happen. There, there's no doubt about it. Like there's certain energy and a certain juice 
for me anyway, when he has the puck because he's so creative, he's so fast. And, and that's like I, I talked about this. So many different elements of that goal. The first thing is, again, it's a rolling puck that he's chasing. Okay, that's a hard thing to corral in itself. Then you talk about Ristolainen, and if you watch closely, Ristolainen actually takes his hand off his own stick, grabs Barzell by the arm, trying to pull him down, and Barzy kind of just sheds that, and it's Ristolainen who goes crashing to the ice. Then remember, he's the fastest skater in the NHL. He's going full speed when he gets to the top of the crease. Then he slams on the brakes, and at that point, oh, yeah, I'll put the stick back between my legs. Then I'll put the uh, the puck on it you know, with it, and then I'll shoot it back the other way that I was coming after I bring Carter Hutton with me. Uh, you know, to the other side. So it, it just, there was so many little things going on on that. Uh, I don't know how he pulled it off, but yeah, every, every time he gets the puck, I think he can do something great because we've seen him do it so often, but that still to me was something that combined kind of all those elements of, you know, the speed of Matt Barzell, the hands, the the, 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 the breaking ability and the ability to, to think about that in a split second after he finally shed wrist the line and it's just remarkable. Yeah, so obviously, usually your calls are, you're the most energy. I've heard other people on the radio. No, every call, every every time the Islanders do something, it's energizing. Whether I'm, you know, half asleep behind the wheel after a hockey game, Chris King wakes me up. But do you need to take a second after a goal like that to collect your thoughts and go, what did I just see? You know, it's interesting, about Steph, and that's a really good question because so many times I was thinking more about this too because I said at the time, I did. I really needed some time to compose myself. And and I was still like just out of my mind insane. And like, did I just see what I just saw? Brock Nelson scored like a minute and a half later. And I barely got that call out because my brain was still on Matt Barzell. And the more I thought about it, like when we've had incredible calls or I've had calls like that, a lot of them have been, you know, overtime, double overtime winners where you don't have to be you know, composed in the next minute and a half because the game's over. But that was the kind of thing that was, you know, almost an equal of, a, of an overtime winner, but yet the puck is dropped, you know, 30 seconds later, and now you have to get back to doing what your job is. So, yeah, if I listen back to my call, that Nelson goal, it's terrible because my brain <laughs> is still on Barzella. I can't, you know, get it out of my head that did I really just see what I think I saw? And I did. And, you know, I get home that night, and then I'm watching all the different angles and all the different replays, and it just gets better the more I see it. It doesn't you know, diminish it at all to see it from 12 different angles because you see something different every time that maybe you didn't see the time before. And especially that low ice look that the, was shot by the Islanders, uh, that's the one. In slow-mo, the low ice look where you really see him, you know, cut on the edges, the snow comes flying off his blade, and that's when he's going, you know, with the puck and the stick between the legs and somehow, you know, sliding it back post. It was incredible. Yeah, it really was. That goal was unreal. And I know that I was texting Stefan about it right away. I said, I can't believe I just saw that. And <laughs> I remember going earlier in the season when Philip Edel did a, like a Forsberg-esque move against the Penguins, and all the Rangers fans had that similar type of jubilation, but this goal just took it to the next level, and it, it was just phenomenal talent. But after three wins against the Sabres and then the slim win over the Bruins last night, do you think the Islanders are peaking, or do you think that this is just the level that they're going to be at the rest of the season? Yeah, it's a good question, Brendan. I think, you know, you could say peaking, but it's been so consistent, right? It's six yep. wins in a row. It's points in nine straight games. And it's now points in 17 of the last 19. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you, when you get to the peak, right? Because what can you do other than keep winning, right? And, exactly. and last year, you know, we had something just like this around a similar time. It was a couple of weeks into the season. They rattled off that 10-game winning streak and a franchise record 17-game point streak. This feels a lot like that because, you know, they're finding a different way to win every night. They're winning all different types of games. You know, they've won one nothing games and they've won 7-2 games. 
and they're just getting contributions from everybody, all four lines, all three deep pairs, and and now especially both goaltenders. Early on in this run, obviously it was mostly just Varley, but now we're seeing Ilya Sorokin, you know, get a regular turn to play, and he's been terrific in, you know, his last couple of starts. So, yeah, I, I think you could say they're peaking, and the goal is just to keep it going right now because the division is so tight. Um, it is a truncated season. You know, they're going to hit the midpoint of the season come Saturday night already, so – uh, it's going by quickly, but but it's been a fun run, very similar to last year's early season run. Yeah, so, definitely. You kind of segued that too to our next one, right? So yeah, I mean, I, I, I love when, he's a pro. I, I love <laughs> I love when that works out. So you spoke about last year's uh, you know win streak, point streak, and obviously the big difference is the injury bug. The Islanders, you know, who knows how well they could have kept that going if Pellet doesn't go down, if the fourth yeah. line doesn't get banged up. Besides that injury, what is the difference you're seeing from that streak last year to this streak this year? Yeah, I don't know that there are that many differences, Steph, and I really don't. And again, the, the the thing you're talking about is more towards the end of the year. Remember the you know the Pelic injury was really more in January, and then yeah. obviously Sezikis go you know kind of toward the pause in March. And remember that that 17 game point streak actually started last year. Actually, I believe it started the fifth game of the year. In they were they actually started one and three last year and then went on that incredible run. So it was like week two, week three, when that run began. And, and this is really kind of week three, week four, I think, if you look back on it, when this one began. So um, I just see more similarities than differences. I really would almost be hard pressed to find a difference because of the fact of, you know, the things I just talked about, like where everybody's contributing. Um, and being healthy is a part of it, though. Absolutely. They haven't had a devastating injury like they had so many last year. And if you think about how they ended last year before the pause, it was just the opposite. They were winless in seven. And I think they had two wins in the last 13 games before the pause, which is almost exactly a year ago right now. So, um, you know, they were they were struggling when that pause happened. And it might have been the best thing for them, uh, you know, to take that long break. And then obviously came firing all cylinders out of the shoot uh, in return to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you look back at, you know, the Sabres series where they take three games, 5-2, to 5-2, 5-2, which impressive in itself that that's, that's able to happen. I did reach out to Eric Cornick to ask him. He didn't respond if that was the first time that happened. <laughs> then you look at last night's game, and the, you know, the Islanders went into it 3-0-0 against the Bruins this season. Was last night, do you think, a, a major statement game? Because, again, Buffalo's been not a great team this year. They, they should beat them, even though they've had Boston's number this whole year. How important do you think the win was to get that slim lead, especially after trailing? come out on top with two points. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I'll tell you about the, the Sabre series, too. The way I put it last night on the air, I said, you know, it's funny. When you win a tennis match, you have to win six games, right? And, and obviously, <laughs> you hear a lot about, you know, oh, they took them in straight sets, right? Well, I said, well, they beat the Sabres in straight sets. 5-2, five, 5-2, two, five, two, five, two, right? So it's almost like a tennis match. And uh, I just think all the wins against the Bruins, you know, to me, guys, were equally important. And to now be 4-0 against Boston, you have to remember a year ago and not just a year ago, actually, coming into this year, they'd only beaten the Bruins once in the last 10 games. So the Bees had dominated the Islanders. It was the one team they couldn't figure out. And if you think about it, the most amazing part of being 4-0 against Boston right now is all four of those games were tied going into the third period, every one of them. So they just had dominating third periods, you know, in the first three. And then last night, nobody scored in the third period. They found a way to finally win a game beyond 60 minutes, which is something they hadn't done all year. They and the Montreal Canadiens were the only two teams that hadn't won a game that went beyond 60 minutes. So, uh, you know, they couldn't get it done in overtime, but they found a way in the in the skills competition, if you will, to shoot out a great goal by Everly and, and then an even better one by Beauvillier going uh, Franz Nielsen on us with that backhand roof under the bar. Uh, you know, that's something they needed to do. So I think just more of the point, you know, win a game beyond 60 minutes, having not done that was key. And 
Again, look, if the playoffs started tonight, guess who they're playing? The Boston Bruins, because the Bruins dropped to fourth with that loss. Islanders stayed in the top spot. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just have that mental hurdle to get over when a team owns you like the Bruins had over the Islanders the last couple of years. And they are certainly over that now, you know, beating them all four times so far. I mean, you look back to – hold on one second. But you look back yeah. to last year, and I remember on Butch Scoring's jersey retirement, they played the Bruins. And while yeah. it wasn't a, like a 6-1 or a big win by the Bruins, the Bruins dominated. And you just yeah. thought of Islanders just can't beat the Bruins. They just can't do – they can't do it at home. They can't do it away. And this year has just been complete 180. But, Brendan, get to your question. Well, I just wanted to ask, you know, before we let him go that – he brought up the shootout. So are you a proponent of extending three on three or are you a fan of the shootout? A big proponent of extending three on three, Brendan. I think that's, you know, so exciting. Uh, At least give it 10 minutes. Let's at least give it 10 minutes. I think how much, you know, is, is an extra five minutes of three on three, which usually features very few whistles, right? So what would that add to a game? Six, seven minutes, maybe eight minutes tops. I love the three on three. I love the creativity of it. I love the, you know, odd man rushes when it gets going end to end to end to end. Um, even last night, right? Both teams had great chances in overtime to win that. So yeah, to me, it's almost anticlimactic when you, uh, you know, you go to the shootout to try to end it. I know they want to have a winner and a loser and they don't want it to run all night, but you know, why not go to uh, you know, 10 minute three on three and then see how many more games you would decide that way rather than having to go to the skills. Completely so my my last question for you. So speaking about that, in overtime, is it harder for uh, a broadcaster to do because it could be so back and forth or does it slow down a little bit? Because sometimes they set up in the offensive zone, they cycle, is it easier on you? Yeah, it's a good question, Stefan, and I think it is. You know what? It's a couple of things. It does slow down because possession is king, right? Everybody holds on to the puck forever. And the fact for me, instead of trying to identify five players on each side, it's now just down to three on three. So What I'm normally doing is every time there's a whistle, I am literally looking at, okay, who are the three guys out there for the Islanders? Who are the three guys out there for the other side? Kind of getting that into my brain and then, you know, knowing I'm not going to, you know, have a surprise where someone I didn't see come on the ice scores the goal because you can really see the changes. They almost always occur in that possession game where a team will skate back in their own end. They'll change the other two guys. Then the guy who had the puck will dish it and get off and, and, you know, he'll be replaced. So it's just very easy to see the change. It's very easy to identify the players. And, and as you said, it does slow down because there's so much possession. There is so much of just the same player holding on to the puck that it makes it a little easier to call in that regard. And again, the, the only the only pressure of it comes in you want to get the call right. Obviously, you know, when the goal is scored that ends the game, whether it's for the Islander side or the other side, you just want to get the call right. And with less players on the ice, it's very rarely on a deflection or on a puck, you know, off somebody else and into the net, that type of thing. It's usually the guy who shoots it is the guy who wins the game, not, uh, you know, having to hit off someone else and go in directly. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us for a little bit. We really do appreciate it. We always love having you on, and good luck on the call tomorrow night against the Devils. All right, thanks, Stefan. Thanks, Brendan. Always great being on the back check. And I heard you guys say at the top, it's episode 19. That's yep. my, my whole life, Brian Trache, 19 in the rafters. So I think it was fitting that I was on tonight. It was meant to be. There you Perfect. go. Perfect. It writes itself. <laughs> Take care, guys. See ya. Ah, uh, he's just just a great interview every single time. He the knowledge, you know. You, we've talked to Steve Cangelosi. We've talked to Jameson Coyle, and you know, you talk to them. You know, I like to say friend to friend. The way you talk to other people and they just rattle stuff off that I have written down. You know, I, re- I wrote down the six game win streak, eleven zero and two at home. 17 in the last 19 games, 18 points, whatever you see. I can't even remember it. And Chris King's just rattling that stuff off. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a force of habit for him, right? I, I think it was Pierre Maguire during the bubble that sent the picture out of his uh, 
his game sheets and all the notes yeah. that he takes for each game. So after a while of doing that, you kind of just get into the habit of retaining it and rattling it out. And he, he does it so great. Cangelosi did it awesome as well. It's just, it's crazy to see how effortless it is for them when you have us who are scrambling. Like we were two minutes before this show started just to get the stream working because I had to go to Myrtle Beach and the Wi Fi was you know, crapping out. So yeah. I, I'm now outside doing this, a little cold. Oh, but that's, it, oh, it's cold in Myrtle. What is it, like 60? No, no, the sun's starting to go down though. So it's going to drop below 50 soon. Yeah, so the one other thing I want to say about Chris King is I want to applaud him because I know it's his job to get pronunciations right, but I, I didn't send him anything, and he got my name right again. So twice in a row, that never happens when we have a guest come on. Usually the person, they botch it, then they learn. Chris King's been absolutely perfect. So thank you, Chris King, for pronouncing my name right. And Brennan's, even though yours are a little more straightforward. Well, when you pronounce names like Bjorkstrand and stuff for <laughs> the Islanders play, I, I think Stefan comes relatively easy, even though your name is spelled wrong, and it is yeah, it's, Stefan. It's, it's just not spelled over. But anyway, two more things I want to get to about the Islanders before we take a, a quick commercial break and talk Rangers is, did you see um, Brad Marchand yesterday, Brendan Jump Wallstrom? Did you see the play? I, I did not get to watch that game last night. Wait, you were, I, you were a little, you were a little I was watching. No, I was watching the Rangers game. Okay, <laughs> yeah. they played at the same time, and I was very disappointed, and I then well, enjoyed my Myrtle Beach experience. Oh, let's not get bummed out about the Rangers just yet. So Good flashback day. to last Friday. Um, we know what happened to Brennan Carlo. Tom Wilson just completely crushed him. I don't care what anybody says. Dirty hit, dirty thought. Marchand jumps him. You know, all that happens. Last night, Oliver Wallstrom goes to hit Connor Clifton, which probably would have been a boarding call, not a game misconduct. He probably would have hit him from behind. And Clifton skids out. Like, he loses an edge and falls down. As he's falling down, Wallstrom hits him. Again, not intentional at all. And Brad Marchant loses his you-know-what. Jumps Walson. Walson's on the ring trying to – throws the gloves out, starts throwing punches at him. He does get the instigator. Walson goes to the box, which at first I didn't know why. Watching the hit again. Okay, it's a boarding call. But Marchant lost his mind. Completely understandable from what happened with Tom Wilson. But, oh, my God, did he need to be contained because he might have – he might have – done major damage to Wallstrom because Wallstrom is down in the rink. And I thought, first off, you know, you, we talked about Brad Marchand, how you hate to play against him, but if he's on your team, you probably love him. And what that showed was just leadership. He wears the A and we could call him a pest. Oh, he licks people, you know, all that stuff. Him and Komarov got into a little bit yesterday and just flashback to when he was on the Maple Leafs and licked and licked Komarov. And you never forget when someone licks you, Brendan, you just never do. But I, I kind of, uh, don't even go there, Brendan, but, uh, <laughs> Um, I kind of, you know, think back and I was pissed off at Marchand for doing it to Wallstrom, but at the same time, if I'm on his, you know, the injured Pasternak and what does that show? And he goes, it shows team, you know, leadership, all that kind of stuff. I, I do kind of give Marchand credit for doing that completely not, not needed given the situation, but he's not looking at the intent there. He sees his guy get absolutely crushed in a similar fashion to what we saw happen to Carlos. I don't know how, how you thought about that. Uh, I, it's like Tom Wilson. You hate to play against them, but you you would die to have them on your team. And you could say, oh, I don't want Tom Wilson. Yeah, you do want Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is the Islanders' fourth line put together on roids. And I think that he those players, as much as opposing fans might hate them and NHL players' safety might hate them at times, they have a place in the game. And Marshawn is very, very skilled too. I If he's sticking up for his teammate and it was a questionable hit, he has a right to lose his mind, right? And Wallstrom's a big boy. He could defend himself. I think that what makes hockey unique from every other sport is that accountability that has to be held by players amongst themselves, right? 
in baseball, right? That's prime example is you see it all the time when somebody throws behind them, the umpire gets involved, throws them out and it's done, right? There's no accountability there. That's why pitchers still throw at hitters and hitters, you know, they, they have nothing to do to the pitchers because what are they, what can they do? So in hockey, we don't have that. If you do something that's deemed questionable and you know, it's questionable, you know, very well, the next game, somebody's going to confront you about it and you're going to have to settle the score on the ice. And to me that, that should always be a part of the game. Oh, I completely agree. If people that don't want hockey uh, fighting in the game, I, I just it doesn't make any sense to me because I rather them fight, get the you know energy out there, boost up their team's morale if they win the fight or lose, depending. But also stress relief. You know, if you eject them every time there's a people don't like each other, I just think that's pointless. You, know, you look at other sports. The old joke was baseball suspension, basketball suspension, hockey five minutes and you do it again. Like that's the greatness of it. If you don't like violence, you probably should be watching hockey. That's just my take. Yeah, and for all the people who say it's just a penalty, like you should be suspended or it should be illegal to fight, it is illegal to fight. It's a major penalty. It's a five-minute <laughs> penalty. That It's not in the rule book that you're allowed to fight. It's just you don't get kicked out for it. It became part of the game, which it should always be. But I think we should take these commercial breaks so that we can you know, rattle off some Islanders and Rangers topics. All right, I think we will too. Back-to-back commercials. We'll see you guys again in a minute. Hey everybody, it's Brendan here. Do you have old jerseys? What about old hockey equipment? Rather than throw these items out, our friends over at Alternite would love to have them. This nonprofit converts jerseys into reusable face masks. The same face mask the New York Rangers wore in the bubble this past postseason. The old equipment you donate will be given to less fortunate children throughout the state. It doesn't matter what team you root for. Let's all come together to make a difference and grow the sport of hockey. To learn more, head to Alternite.com. That's altronite.com. SUNY Cortland Sport Management is a proud sponsor of the Backcheck. In the SUNY Cortland Sport Management program, students get hands-on training in sport event management and sport media production. The sport management department is the oldest sports-specific major in New York State and boasts an impressive list of alumni, something me and Brendan know a lot about. To get more info about the program, go to courtland.edu slash SPM or look up Courtland SPMG on your favorite social media. SUNY Courtland Sport Management, where the tomorrow's sport industry leaders practice their craft. All right. So, so before we get to the Rangers, <laughs> the, the depressing Rangers and all that happened with them. I mean, Panarin's back, so we could talk about that. But the last thing I want to talk about is Semyon Varlamov fell again yesterday. And I, it was a bad sequence. He, you know, they're on the power play, and the point guy fakes a shot, slap passes it. He's all the way out of his crease. So if the shot came, he probably makes a very good aggressive save. But the shot never came. Puck goes to the corner. You see Varlamov all, you know, wobbling in his net. He gets interfered with, falls down, then Pashnik from downtown scores on a, go- a goal that really should never go in. This is the second time this season on the power play. Varlamov has lost an edge or whatever the case may be. What I will give him credit for is if he wasn't his best game. I know on Twitter everyone's battling off stats and me, stepping your takes completely wrong. It's just not. So you, you watch the game, and while he made 32 uh, saves, and then he denied people in the shootout, stopping Marchant with poetic, poetic justice, stopping Marchant to end to end the shootout. He wasn't as sharp with his grip on control, but he bowed. He had an incredible stick paddle save earlier in the game, a huge blocker save in overtime, and for Varlamov. And Sorokin, you know, it's more Sorokin, it's the fact that he hadn't, he hasn't had to be great to get wins. They played a Buffalo Sabres team. They didn't allow a lot of shots on goal. But 
problem up when he's in there. He gets tested, and if he's not in this game, especially against the Bruins team, it's going to be a tough night. Fortunately, the defense in front of him did help him out. The rebound control wasn't as sharp, but he found a way. The Islanders just find a way, and they've been doing that the whole entire season. That's why they're in first place. And you know, 4-0-0 against the Boston Bruins. It's not something I think would I would ever think that would come out of my mouth. So how much can they, you know? How good of a performance can they have against the Bruins going down the stretch? I know Rast didn't play. He's hurt. The Bruins are slumming, but the NHL in a short 56-game season, you have to take advantage of every little thing that happens to every team. Those teams that take advantage of that, whether it's against the worst teams in their division going undefeated or against top teams struggling, you've got to take advantage. Yeah, uh, they have. They have so far. But like Chris King said, this has happened last year. So uh, I, we, we basically talked about it on Sunday too, that this next stretch coming up is where I think they prove how good they are or if they are a decent team that's going to make the playoffs but has some flaws when they play quality opponents. But they battled against the Bruins team, right? I mean, it was a good game. Good hard-fought playoff style it game. A, it, was a, it was a playoff game, and the Islanders win those close playoff games and but we'll transition see, the to the Rangers. Is, the difference is, in the playoffs, yes. there's no shootout. Well, it's no fine because the Islanders win bad in overtime anyway. But there's no three-on-three. Three. So it becomes the a, a grind it out, grind it out, grind it out. And yeah. that game had the feel of, you know, for me just watching stats and from the little bit I did see, it had the feel of a game that was going to go double OT where, you know, it would be a heartbreaker for one fan base and the other would be ecstatic. So uh, I like that because if we're going to have some good series like that, then I wouldn't mind if the Rangers weren't in it. So my heart can keep a uh, normal pace in my chest. Yeah. I might need a pacemaker if, if it's going <laughs> to, it's going to have a Brendan. The biggest news of the day is besides the ESPN deal, which I would put second to our Timmy Pernarin is back for the Rangers. He's not going to play tomorrow. But he's back practicing. He he's back, so it's just Sturkin. So there is optimism coming in the next week or so. We hope. Uh, I mean, I don't think Panarin should be out much longer than the next game because he's not playing tomorrow. But really, it's just getting your legs under you at that point. So Sturkin, it's up in the air because it is a groin injury still. So we will see when he's ready. I would not rush it at this point. I don't think they have a chance. Ah, I see what you did there. Wouldn't rush it. Russian. Oh God! Wow, that was a stretch. I didn't even mean to stretch. To come close groin to that. injury. Oh. Okay, I'm on. I'm on an unintentional roll right now. You got to roll. Should have said, uh, said you're on a tear. And <laughs> he didn't know. No, that's jinxing it. He didn't tear anything. It was a strain. Uh, but <laughs> we gotta. <laughs> we gotta hope that he could come back at the same strength. And I think this season's over. I know that you know they're, they're going to play the same teams, and I'm going to get people that say, "Well, we got to have some optimism." Panarin's coming back. I have no optimism because they haven't proven that they could win any single game of relevance this whole season. Fans got excited over a three-game win streak against the Devils and Sabers, and they play the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are a borderline playoff team right now, and they got completely exposed. And they don't have the depth to compete, and they don't have the finishing ability right now. Uh, I can't tell you how many shots of bandage had flubbed yesterday. I can't tell you how many chances Buchnevich missed in the last two minutes of that game. Uh, they make every single goaltender look like Patrick Waugh, and it's those are the games you got to win. You got to find ways to win if you want to be a playoff team. And I can't get angry because they're still young, so I have faith that next year it'll be a different scenario. And as people continue to develop and stay healthy, it'll change. But right now, if you look at this team and you think that they can make the playoffs with their inability to win big games or finish their chances, you're really mistaken. So when you think about the effort from the club, from the Rangers, after last night's game, 
is the effort there because um, the goals that they had, the goal they had the bad line change on. Look like the most, you know, I'm listening to Boomer and Geo this morning on WFAN, and Boomer's talking about how the Rangers and the Knicks right now are like similar in the fact that even if they don't win the games, they're putting forth complete total effort. And I just thought back to that goal they allowed on the bad line change where it was a lackadaisical change. That's just not giving 110% there. That bo- that really bothered me as a hockey fan to see that happen. Yeah, I think that the effort is there. Because, like I said, these are all one-goal games, you know? I mean, they had the chance to tie this game and send it to overtime. They And I don't think that they played well the first period and a half, two periods. I, I thought they were really slow. They looked awful. They were the worst team in both periods, but they just find ways to – hang around it's like they know that the rangers fans want to see them win so bad that they'll hang around just so that they can make the losses hurt even more i'd rather them lose every single game five nothing that way i have no expectations but no they stick around just enough so that you got to go oh there's a chance we can come back no we can't come back because we can't finish and every single goalie looks like they're going to win the vesna against the rangers team but their efforts there it's been there it's inconsistent and we talked with stat boy steven about it last week right what, yeah. what what was bad? What was what led to a goal? Uh, a red line change where it comes and... back to the coaches. Uh, but see, though, no, see, I can't, I can't really blame Quinn there because it's just the, it was no hustle. He gave the example last week when he said they fired Claude Julian and they talked about how he wouldn't even get no players knew when to go and there's just miscommunications that happen that lead to things and eventually you you can say all you want uh, right okay the players got to play and score oh. It's coaching, too. No, it's so, coaching, but it's just, you know, whoever it was last to get off the rink, the Penguins would come up the rink, and this guy is still, I don't remember who it was, just gliding across the ice, getting to the bench, and in my head, I'm going, I don't care how young or old you are, it's a line change. You, you, bust if your you are out of breath, you bust your, yeah, you bust your knee to the bench. You don't glide there, especially when the Penguins, it's not like the Penguins are holding it behind their own net, which happens often where both teams get line changes and that. No, the Penguins saw what was happening with the Rangers, a lack of physical change, fed the puck up, they score. And you look back and go, that's easily avoidable if someone just hustles off the ring. Forget the confusion on the bench. If that if that's the case, that's on Quinn. But I got to blame the player if you're not going to hustle to the bench. And there's no excuse for that. There's not. But I'm going to write an article about another player who, when, when we talk about David Quinn, right? A lot of the yeah. things that has, he's gone drawn the ire of Rangers fans is his scratches, line changes, his short leash when it comes to certain players. But one player whose leash seems to wrap around MSG 45 times is Brett Howden. And when I say a player does nothing, that's Brett Howden. You can't point to anything that he does terrible, but you sure as hell can't point to anything he does well. And uh, he is the most non-impactful player I've ever watched play the game of hockey. He's a detriment to the Rangers because he can't do anything. He's physically not capable of playing the sport at this level. And everybody else gets scratched. Everybody else gets benched. Everybody else gets sent down. Somehow, some way, this man never gets scratched, never gets benched, never misses his shift. And he doesn't do anything. He doesn't have a goal this year. Jack Johnson has now scored a goal before he has scored a goal this year. He, uh, he doesn't block shots. He kills penalties. That, that's why he stays in the lineup. He kills penalties, and he has a good defensive face-off, uh, defensive zone face-off percentage. And he's a very good penalty killer. Okay, send him down, let him kill penalties for Hartford, because Colin Blackwell can kill penalties. You can put somebody else that can kill penalties. Their penalty kill right now is at 96% over the last whatever. It's 53 for 56. It's absurd. 
let them take a small little hit on that PK, let it drop to 90%, and let's get a little more offensive production from one of these younger kids that's willing to, to you know, grind and do something and show something. Let Morgan Barron come up who's scoring in Hartford and have a chance because I can't watch a nothing player anymore. Uh, uh, great guy, tries hard, doesn't produce. Well, we talked about it. I mean, you could think about Michael Dalcope, who does a lot more than Howden, and we've seen him take a step up this year. But we spoke early before the season started that in a shortened season, doesn't matter if you are a veteran of 10 years or a rookie or a depth player or a fringe player, you get an opportunity to take it. But if you're not coming through and not doing things, you got to come out. And that really hasn't happened with the Rangers. Look at the Islanders, and, and Bellas had a bad game. Guess what? He hasn't played in two weeks. He hasn't gotten the opportunity again. And Trot said, you come into this league, you come into a team, you're in the middle of a, you know, a 56 game season. You don't make the most of your opportunity. You don't play. The next person that gets a chance does make the opportunity. Like Wallstrom has, he stays in the lineup. And I feel like for the Rangers, their players, veteran or rookies or fringe players, aren't making the most of their opportunities, but there's no punishment for him. When I say punishment, I mean, go sit in the press box for a game or two, collect your thoughts, make a statement to the rest of the team that, hey, doesn't matter how long you've been in this league. It's about what you're doing now. And I'm not saying bench Mika Zibanejad, but it comes a time where if he's not doing anything, at least sit him down for a game or two or bench him during the game just to make they a did. statement to the they benched him, right? And did yeah, it work? They benched him. I mean, he's got, I want to say he's got six points over the last eight games. He's playing better. He's just not finishing still. He, had a, he finally yeah. had his advantage at like goal against Pittsburgh the other day, but he, he still is getting all these chances and just he's missing the shots. As good as he shot the puck last year, as poorly as he's shooting this year, I can think I think the benching worked. It sent the message. He's looked better since. He's looked like he's had more jump to his step, but it's just not the same Zibanejad. Uh, I, the best way I can put it is we know where he likes to line up, right? I talked about it on the power play. He likes to line up in that OV spot. Last year, he was ripping shots, and every shot he took from there seemed like it was finding the net. And now every shot he takes seems like it's finding a way not to go into the net. So it's just one of those years. That's How do you think about, about Keith and Cade? You know, local kid gets his first start as a Ranger, first start in what, a year? A year or so? And then National Hockey League? How do you think he played? His first start since 2019. Yeah. Remember 2019. He played all right. Yeah, the Penguins had a three expected goals against and expected goals for, and he gave up three. So it wasn't spectacular. I think he played much better in relief of Georgiev the previous game. The Bluger goal that he gave up on the short, that was shorthanded. Yeah. You got to stop. I mean, I, I know it's a bad read by the defenders there, and they kind of cut to the middle, and he got in, but he was sliding. Your paddle's got to be down. You can't let that squeak through. He was very, very soft on his stick. And if yeah. he just keeps his paddle down hard on the ice, that puck hits it. But, uh, Quick story about Keith Kincaid, which will always haunt me until the end of time. So, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it was 10 years ago. I was doing a hockey uh, camp. Um, namely, it was Jim Bosenberg and or Mike Bosenberg. I forgot the coach's name. But Keith Kincaid was one of his clients growing up, a young goalie, and he worked his way up, and he came down to help. And, you know, I'm talking to him. I'm a little kid talking to him. And I think this is when he was first on. It was the Albany Devils. And he, I think it was his first season signing with them or drafted. And... He's talking to us about how he has to practice his signature. They're teaching him how to do that. So I'm like, all right, sign my glove. So he signs little Stefan's glove. And again, he's not in the NHL yet. Never crossed mine. A couple years later, still not in the NHL. Gave the glove away. And I gave it to a neighbor. It was, it was an older glove, and he didn't have hockey equipment. So I was like, you know, I'll be a nice guy. 
Ethan Kincaid's not. I mean, haven't heard his name, so here you go. Yeah, so when I found out that he made it to the NHL, I was like, I need to get this glove back. I go back. I guess the, the glove was used so much that the signature wasn't even visible anymore. It was Sharpie on, on the on the equipment, but I still have the memories of talking to him. I remember asking him, oh, you grew up a Ranger fan or an Islander fan? He's like, I don't want to tell you. Worked with him. Awesome, awesome guy. And, you know, he's gotten his chance at the NHL level. It hasn't been a consistent, you know, consistent starting gig. But he made it to the NHL. And as a local kid, you know, seeing that as a young goaltender, seeing how cool it was that, you know, he was practicing signatures and getting there. It shows, a, it shows a lot to the younger goaltenders. I know he probably works with goalies now and everything like that. And it just doesn't matter if you play one game in the NHL, 500 or, or 1,000 like Patty Kane just did. You got there. And that just automatically is hard work, dedication, determination, and believing in yourself. And that's all things that young kids should look up to in a, in a player, in person. Most definitely completely agree. And I've been practicing my signatures too. The difference is mine is just signing away my money on student loans as opposed to signing <laughs> autographs for the NHL. So his is a lot more lucrative than, than my signature practices, but he hadn't played since 2019. He looked good, right? Uh, he did his job. Uh, I think he should have, it should have been flipped. If I was the coach, I would have flipped it. But I said on the last show, I don't blame Quinn for that because it's an, a weird situation. Usually you have, you know, your starter and a backup. And I think normally it would have been Chesterkin getting that start wouldn't have even been an issue. But now you have a guy who you're trying to ride and Georgiev and another guy and Kincaid who hasn't played. So do you really want to risk putting him in and losing a potentially big game? And Georgiev wound up losing the game instead. So uh, I think he did all right. I wasn't blown away, but hey, he, he was serviceable. He did his job. The Ranger, he gave the Rangers a chance to win, and the Rangers, if they could finish, would have had a, a chance to not only get one point but two. So that's all you can ask from your third string. It's so comical when I hear Ranger fans, specifically you, say they just have to finish when this was just an offense that just finished last year. Uh, I mean, Zabanaj had finished forty something times. Van Aaron finished. This was an offensive minded team i'm trying to keep that in perspective too i'm trying to because if panarin's on the ice those chances go in that now he might not even be the one scoring it but somehow some way when he passes the puck it just finds a way to go in Uh, it just it's an uncanny ability to set people up in just certain spots where the goaltender can't get across and you watch other people do and you wonder what what's the difference right because every single player in the nhl is elite Right, you take a fourth line scrub on some team. Good John would, Scott. John John Scott would light up any league, light right. up offensively. So you, you take now the elite offensive players, and what makes the those players just a nick above the elite? And it's that ability to just put the puck in a certain spot where if I made that pass, the goalie can get across and stop it. But if he makes the pass, there's no way he just disguises it better. He makes it more accurate. Uh, to me. They needed him out there in that stretch. That's where they miss him most. They can kind of cover him around, and anytime you have Panarin out, it's going to be a loss. But in tight games, when you need a goal or you need somebody to step up and make a play, Panarin's that guy. So what do you think it is, though, about this? you think it's a confidence thing where they've been denying so many chances or have missed so many chances that you know they need a big game where they score six, seven, seven goals to get? Because once this offense gets going, I know, I know what you said. You think it's mental, but hold on one second. Oh, it's never too. I, I personally don't think it's too late for the Rangers, but they would need a, a catastrophic turnaround. And it doesn't matter what teams in front of them do if they're not going to win games. It starts with them. If they get on a little streak here and they win games, if they had just gotten their offensive 
going off the bat, maybe a week or two into the season, they win all they win all these close games because they find a way to get it done. They were doing that all of last year, and it was the defense failing them. And we're just back to this, like next year. You just hope that the Rangers' offense wakes up because because if it, this happens again next year, where the offense is sluggish, yep. I mean, you're, it significantly hurts this rebuild, which should should really if if the offense was explosive this year and the defense was the same thing, you can't call this a rebuild anymore. They're a team, they're a contender. But the fact that this is a, this is taking your rebuild and adding an extra year when it really shouldn't be a rebuild anymore, in my opinion. Uh, it's tough because they just had the first overall pick. So anytime you just oh, get the first, totally agree. Pick, but yeah, the the thing that I I see, they're twenty four games in. So you yeah. got 32 games left. Good the man. only way, the only way that this team can sniff the playoffs is if over those 32 games, Igor Shosturkin winds up making a run for the Calder and playing that well. If Mika Zibanejad can score 15 goals over those 32 games, and if Artemi Panarin could put up over 40 points in those 32 games. Well, it won't even be 32 games. If he could put up over 40 points in the next 30 games that he plays. That's the sure. only way they come close. Before we take a commercial, we talk about the big new hockey deal with ESPN, Walt Disney, all that stuff. I was curious to see that Panarin wasn't. He was taking a couple of days, and I know he hasn't skated and stuff, but can't think it's more than a game or two that he's out, right? No, I think it's just one. Just one to get his bearings I, I would, back I would it? personally, I would take a Panarin at 50% over who else that's going to be in the lineup, you know? <laughs> it just it comes to the point. It's like in basketball, would you take a LeBron James that's a little banged up or not playing to his full potential over uh, you know your bench players? Yeah, any day of the week. Same thing with Panarin. If he has the ability to play through the cardio of it, let him go out there. So my mindset is he probably wants to play real bad. I'm assuming this is the team telling him to take a day to you know injuries. But I think the best medicine for what he went through. And again, we're not in his head. We don't know exactly what happened, but it was a scary time for him and his family. I feel like the he just wants to get back out there. So I think this is more of a of a franchise coach decision. I, he probably, I'm assuming he was begging to get back out there tomorrow, and that's just not what they're going to do. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, there's no point in rushing. Like, like I said, it's you got your Sturkin who's still out. So they've played decently well without Panarin. I mean, outside of these two bad games against Pitt, they had won six of their last eight before that. So uh, th- let them go one more. Let's see if the younger players can get that one game to to bring their confidence up. And once he steps back in, we had talked about this on earlier shows. It's either going to be a Kako, uh, Edel line. It's going to be Kreider and Edel. One of these big name players is going to be dropping into that third line, and they're going to have a top nine that's dangerous. When we come back from this commercial break, we will talk about the New deal with ESPN. Also, want to ask Brendan about Jack Eichel. So stay, stay tuned and give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. Hey guys, Stefan here. Each night on Long Island, 180,000 residents will go hungry. 39% of which are kids who have no ability to control their situation. Our friends over at Long Island Hockey Co. are trying to help as many families as possible. Each hat sold on their website will provide 50 meals for food insecure Long Islanders. Head to longislandhockeyco.com and let's help the people in our community. All right, Brandon. So big news out of Buffalo today. Jack Eichel is hurt. Quote, unquote, hurt. So my question to you is, 
add Jack Eichel to this offense. Jack Eichel, who has struggled as of late. Do you think one player is the the, 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 the what they need? One player will change this offense completely? Or do you think it's more of if Jack Eichel comes, he can do all he can, but this offense has to wake up with his arrival? Jack Eichel's very good at hockey. Oh, correct. He's having a tough year in the midst of a season where he wants to get, you know, out of that godforsaken situation that seems to never, you know, get itself right. So I think a change of scenery for him would do absolute wonders. What would they have to give up? I've always said I'd rather have the proven player than a prospect. Always, no no matter what the situation is, I don't care. Lafreniere could have so much talent, but if he doesn't pan out and you had the opportunity to get Jack Eichel, how does that look five years from now? Now, I personally wouldn't give up Lafreniere. That's not what I'm saying. But if they ask for what people deem is too much of a prospect package, you got to think of the player you're getting in return. Not only is he an elite player when he's right, but this is a guy that's a center. The one position that you've been longing for outside of Mika Zibanejad, you haven't had a center that can come in. If you can potentially keep Zibanejad and have a one-two of Eichel Zibanejad, I mean, that's pretty dang good. I think what they should do is the best hospitals in the world are in New York City. I think that they should medevac him if this injury is as serious as it's being made to be out in Buffalo. Medevac him to New York City and just keep him there. And we'll medevac some players back for Buffalo and we'll just do it off the books. If they trade Jack Eichel to whatever team, the Sabres, you think Hall just says, you know what, I'm going to sit out the rest of the season, guys. I mean, he went there for one reason. His one reason, and I quote, was Jack Eichel deserves to play in the playoffs. And I'm going to pat myself on the back because I took so much, you know what, for saying the Sabres are worse than the Devils. They're going to finish behind. No, no, the Sabres are a playoff team. We're talking to some friends that said the Sabres are better than the Islanders. No, it's the Sabres. They are a joke, a complete, utter joke of a franchise. And I have no idea what they have to do to fix it. They might as well just nuke it, move to Atlanta, become the Atlanta Thrashers, because that fan base is electric. They still have a Twitter page that probably gets more interactions daily than the Sabres Twitter page does. So move them back to Atlanta, get the Atlanta Thrasher jerseys back out there. Maybe Nordiques. You know, why not? But Buffalo, I mean, up to New York or Western New York, for our Western New York viewers, that's a hockey place. You know, they, they need hockey to be good there. And they've waited a lot. You know, Islander fans and Sabre fans have a lot in common where it's dark darkness for just years of a stretch. And they finally, the Islanders have turned around. But Taylor Hall is not going to be there next season. I know they said they're talking on a, they're talking on a long-term deal. They can talk what they want. Taylor Hall's not picking up the, the damn cell phone. He's just not. It somebody, makes no should, sense. somebody should tell Taylor Hall that if he really wants to help Jack Eichel make the playoffs, he should start to play better. I mean, against the Islanders, he scored a goal. Jeff Skinner scored a goal. Two guys that were slumping. Jeff Skinner's contract. I mean, uh, uh, what does he have? Two goals. Jeff Skinner has no. Jeff oh, Skinner has one. One. I'm Taylor Hall has. I think Taylor Hall has two or three. I I think he scored his second against the Islanders. I'm not sure if he's scored yeah, since well, then. Well, he might but, want to score a little more if he wants to help Jack Eichel make the playoffs and have success there, buddy. <laughs> uh, so come on <laughs> i mean enough about buffalo just because it, it hurts it really just hurt i feel so bad for the fan base just because they, at least they have their football now they have their football jake allen football seems like good. jake allen you are what a mess <laughs> wrong sort not nah, great quarterback there but uh let's get to the big news of the day and you know i didn't see this coming i don't know if many people did that nbcsm is folding after this season i kind of i like oh, their yeah. stuff i never thought of it as a big a big issue. I can see where some people are like, okay, you know, maybe not enough money, but they sign a seven year deal upwards of $200 million with the Walt Disney 
Corporation and ESPN and hockey comes back to ESPN. Brendan, how do you feel about this? It's not exclusive. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. What people are missing here is NBCSN is going away for one reason only because they develop Peacock. And like we see with ESPN Plus and all these streaming services, that's the new wave, right? People would rather pay for that and watch it on a fire TV than pay for cable. So what what uh, NBC is doing is they're canceling NBCSN. They're moving it to Peacock and USA. So they're getting it on national TV all the time, basically, because we don't think of USA as a sports network, but every cable package gets it. So it's yeah. better for the NHL. And yeah. it's also on the streaming service. So now... ESPN will have those games on their apps and services. I think they get 25 regular season games on ESPN and ABC live TV. They get a conference final. They get playoff series. And the rest of it, it's over 1,100 games will be on ESPN Plus and Hulu and the streaming services. So NBC will now have a chance to bid as well for the rest of the games. Every other league has a TV contract that's billions yearly. They make money. Okay, this is a $200 million per year deal. They have to at least double that for NBC. NBC has to give no less than $200 million for this to even be a remote success. If they can get over $400 million plus per year for TV rights, that's doubling what they made over the last contract. That's a big you, upgrade. So, I mean, obviously, if you go to ESPN.com right now, you have to search for the NHL. It's not even on the main tab. It, you got to search for it. I do daily articles where I have to get the highlight, the biggest articles from around the NHL. And I, I always the blackness right now. Yeah. Fading into the darkness, like the yeah. Sabres. Um, anyway, so you, you got to search. Obviously if hockey's back in ESPN, I'm assuming they'll, they'll cover it more. We, we've always talked about how sports center, you'll rarely see a hockey light highlight. And I was listening to, I listen to a lot of WFN just because I drive all the time. And I listened to Carmen Roberts and they were saying, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a lie. We, that hockey just doesn't bring in the, the views as every other sport. It's because NHL really hasn't done a phenomenal job of pushing the sport into areas where it's not the big sport. Whether Saying it be, you know, the NHL has not done a phenomenal job is the biggest understatement of the year. Okay. They've done an awful job. Awful. Yeah. Horrendous. Use every single adjective. And NBCSN has done an awful, horrendous job of spreading the sport as well. It needed to go to ESPN. But ESPN do you think, made yeah. basketball huge. So do you think, though, that this is going to have a very big impact on no. growing the sport? Or you just think it's going to just – people will see – like, there's a lot of people that have never seen hockey or never watched hockey. And now if they're on ESPN, you're going to see more highlights on SportsCenter. You don't think that's going to have a big impact on growing the NHL? It, it'll grow. It'll grow the game. It definitely will help. And I think it'll give ESPN – reason now to cover it more often as well so that's always beneficial especially since a lot of people watch that network i know hockey fans tend to crap on it all the time because they don't cover the nhl but the nhl isn't on their channels every other sport really is so you got football you got basketball you got baseball all have games on espn now the nhl will too it will give them a reason to cover it it's big for the sport the reason i'm saying don't get your hopes up that it's going to grow the game exponentially like it did for the other sports is they're not exclusive yet so yeah. they only have 25 regular season games that are going to be aired on their networks. That That's not a lot. And it's going to be mainly streaming for them. So once the seven-year deal ends, if the game continues to grow over those seven years, now you're looking at ESPN saying, hey, maybe we want to up our game total. And now it becomes more of a bidding war 
that's when the game continues to grow. So this is a good step in the right direction, but it's not the final step for growth. Yes, yeah, so NBC is in the final season of a 10-year contract worth $2 billion that gives its national NHL rights, but the league will air on multiple networks in their next agreement, like like we're seeing now. It's ABC, ESPN, all these other channels. And I just think, you know, we weren't really old enough to appreciate, I think, hockey on ESPN. You're seeing all the fans talking about the old theme song and the old shows they used to have. And I know Linda Cohn does a great job of analyzing hockey. Greg Wisniewski, um, John, John Bouchergrass. I mean, these are just... They have hockey talent. I know someone on Twitter spoke and said, listen, you know, if all people that don't think hockey belongs on ESPN, the people that do cover NHL for ESPN are hockey nuts. They love it. And you're going to, they say you're going to see more of them coming out and talking about the sport, which again, is just great because I think the biggest thing, if the NHL is not going to help grow themselves, pushing it into areas where hockey's not big, again, like you said, everybody watches ESPN for every other sports. They have exclusive deals with other sports. They're always on TV. I feel like just getting hockey in front will help gain support. Or if it's not a success and more people aren't watching, it could be really, really not a good look for the NHL. So it's, it's a tough thing we're about to see. And hopefully it works out. Hockey fans are going to tune in for sure. But there's a lot of hockey fans that won't go to ESPN to watch stuff. And they'd rather scream just because they, they don't like what ESPN's done in the past covering hockey. Don't blame them. And they really don't take the time. Every sport radio show, if someone brings up like Boomer and, and Geo in the morning, Boomer mentions hockey, they boo him. Why are you talking about hockey? So no one likes hockey. They move on, which I understand because there are all these shows and all these networks. It's about ratings. Why talk about hockey for 10 minutes when no one cares, quote unquote, your viewers don't care when they can talk about football, which would drive their views. I understand that. But if ESPN starts covering hockey more, I feel like radio stations will talk about hockey more. And just people talking about the sport, whether it's positively or negatively, we'll talk about it. Negative attention is still attention. That's what the NHL really needs. It just needs eyes on the sport yeah i completely agree and maybe espn has better lighting than what i have right now and they could put the back check on espn podcast network i mean that would be pretty cool if you're trying to grow your hockey content but uh like i said it's a step in the right direction and i think that they have some very talented people who they let go over the course of the last year and a half that they might now look to bring back like hockey writers and, and things like that so We'll see. I mean, it's definitely an opportunity for the game. And if the NHL can finally market it right, I think with the help of ESPN, they will market it right. That's something that will definitely, definitely boost it. And we've seen Twitter stories, right, where people go, oh, I just watched a game of hockey. It's so crazy. Awesome game. I'm going to be a fan now. All it takes is one person in a friend group to say, I just watched a hockey game. You all got to watch this. And now all of a sudden you got a friend group that starts to like it. And that that's what they have to do. They have to market it. And we talk about how hard it is to market the game of hockey because it's expensive. It's not really inclusive in regards to who can play it, right? You need to have some type of financial stability to be able to play the sport. It's what's been the common denominator and what's kept it, you know, very non-inclusive and not everyone can get into it because you can grab a basketball and go to the park. We all do that as a kid. But hockey, you need the equipment. You need the ability to skate. You need ice surface. All that costs money. So I think that if the NHL can partner with ESPN, ESPN's got that whole studio and facility down there in Florida and Bristol as well, and they could start to you know bring more people in and just show them the sport, get them to participate, that'll be huge. And it doesn't even have to be ice hockey. There's so many ways to play the sport. And I know, well, ice hockey is only actual hockey. Was, okay, it's the highest level of hockey. But if for player, people that can't skate, they look at the rink, they go, I can't, I'm not getting into this, or my kid's not going to get into this, they can't skate, do that stuff. 
play deck hockey. I'm not going to say I'm the biggest fan of deck hockey, but I like to skate. I've been skating since I was two years old. It's more of a natural thing, but for other people, just give them the skate, uh, give them the stick, give them the ball, go on and just play the game. It, every sport as a kid teaches you leadership, teamwork, chemistry. Hockey's, hockey's no different, but I think one of the bigger things is getting fans back in the stands because they can watch on TV all they want and they'll hear, well, you watch on TV. It's a great sport to watch on TV if you love hockey, but nothing is the biggest advertisement than going to a game and seeing it live because to me, Buys them aside, all the sports I've gone to see, which I've gone to see all four, all five, if you, you know, including soccer, I've seen all of them in person. Hockey is by far the most exciting sport. And I remember going to a game at Barclays Center a couple of years ago, and behind me was it was a camp. It was um, a camp or a daycare. Kids' first hockey games. There was about 20 of them. And every second I heard in my ear, oh, oh my, oh, wow, what, look at that. It wasn't anything happening. They were just skating and hitting each other. And it took five, 10 minutes for these kids to go, this is just incredible. And we look at it and go, yeah, this is, we've been, we've been trying to tell everybody that doesn't watch hockey how incredible it is. I just think people don't give it a chance. And now with ESPN, giving it a chance again to bring it back to the, the major screens. And again, NBC still carrying it, all that stuff. I think it's good for hockey. You just got to keep pushing it in front of as many people. But Brendan, you know, let, let's sign off here. A couple of minutes to seven o'clock. Great interview with Chris King. Always a Last having Kinger on the show, he brings the energy that we hope to bring every show as well. And that doesn't matter what, I don't know what happens with his personal life or anything like that, but it doesn't matter. When the puck drops for an Islander game, this guy's on cloud nine. He just loves what he does. You can hear it in his voice. Great call on Barzal. He got recognition, national recognition, which, you know, a lot of radio broadcasters don't get. It's more TV because not many people listen to the radio, but impressive, impressive call. And, Brendan, we'll talk again on Sunday, and next week we'll have another great live guest. And in the future, we're already locking up some really cool people. So, one thing before we do go, we you know we look at us ranked as a as a hockey show, and we yeah. climbed up the rankings a little bit, and it has been incredible. So, you know, like something that started as a quarantine activity for us, not saying it's blown up, but it's grown and it's grown. And while we'll go up and down in the rankings, and we don't care enough about the numbers right now, we do want to thank all of you for supporting us each week as we do grow. Because again, without you guys, we're just talking. While we love talking to each other about hockey, we'd be nowhere without you guys. So thank you guys so much. We'll catch you again. Pre-recorded episode on Sunday. Vinny Parisi will join us to give his Devils talk and then next week live from 6 to 7. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.